powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 292 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Pete Johnson of Tatawai Cigars to kick off 2024. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Dayless Ray Cigars. Dayless Ray Cigars is introduced in another chapter of the saga, Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work and the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. The Saga Celez carries a blend of Cuyoa Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade car wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the promo 20th anniversary brand is consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The promo 20th anniversary brand requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The promo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder, and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, manufacturing agricultural facilities at Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo 30th Anniversary, Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at perdomocigars.com. And while welcome back, Cavalier Geneve. Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold, stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. Again, that's Geneve, D-E-N-E-V-E. You can visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars, consistently regarded by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by Cigar Industry Press. Again, follow them on Instagram. It's Cavalier underscore cigars because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier cigars, smoke gold and stay gold. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and scars by anyone. By Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distillings, Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black & Scars Emmy William by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. And of course, we want to mention Tatawai Cigars is the official home of the Smoking Syndicate Studios in beautiful Black Mountain, North Carolina. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Prime Time, episode 292. This is the kickoff show for 2024. Today is January 4th, 2024. This is Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage, and I'm joined cross country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Enjoying some time off this week, so... Uh, nice. Except I'm doing more cigar coop stuff, but that's okay. I, I've, uh, I had a real crazy week last year, last 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 week actually. So I was last pretty, year, yeah, yeah, last week last year, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh, I thought I was gonna be working right up until New Year's Eve, and then things broke on Friday, and I got everything done I needed to get done. Nice. So it was it was good, yeah. 
Um, now you had some good time with the fam and all that. Yep, got to take the week off in between Christmas and New Year's, so uh, spent some time with the family. So that was that was nice. And then, um, you know, uh, with kids in school, they get you know, seems like six weeks off around school Uh, around uh the holidays. So uh you know, you're kind of trying to shuffle things so you can still do your work and things like that while the kids are running around. But yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 winding down. Back to yeah. school next week. Yeah, yeah, it's um. I'm actually taking, I brought you off this week. I go back next week, but I'm taking a long weekend. Next weekend, uh, I think I was telling you, guess what? I'm, I guess I'm going to have another installment of Driving Jose Blanco uh, as a chauffeur around this time <laughs> in Tampa. So uh, I'm sure it's going to be a re very interesting report. But uh, so I don't I don't know how I got roped into that. But <laughs> yeah. it's uh, But I got myself roped into this one, so that should be interesting. So, yeah, we won't be doing a show next week as I'll be down in Tampa. So yeah. fun stuff. Um, but yeah, we're getting into, uh, the new year. So great to have you back, Aaron. Hey, so why don't we, uh, bring in our special guest, uh, to yeah. kick off the new year, um, welcoming him back to primetime, um, Mr. Pete Johnson of Tattooized Scars. Pete, welcome back. Happy new year. Thank you. Happy new year. Good to be here. Yeah. Good to no, be here. We appreciate yeah, I'm it. I'm going to comment on Aaron's comment about the kids being off school for like six weeks. It does feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our youngest won't go back to school until Monday. Yeah, my the daughter college goes back kids went day, back so. already. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, but yeah, it's, we, it's good to get through the holidays. Yep. Yeah, no, I know. We used to, like in New York, we'd, we'd have off from December 24th to January 1st. Maybe if there was a weekend, you get an extra day in there. But um, as my kids, I saw my kids when they were in school, suddenly that second week now became a week off. So yeah. that now it goes to January 7th or 8th now. So it's, that's what I've seen happen uh, in recent times. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of extra days that we didn't get when we were kids. But, you know, mm -hmm. Miami kids don't have snow days. No. Yeah. We had a lot of snow days back in Maine. Yeah, we we actually have a threat of of snow here in Charlotte on Saturday, and that's going to be interesting because if anything is on the ground Monday, school will be closed here. That's how it works. Really? Yeah, they don't they don't. I mean, seriously, because there's no snow removal down here, so yeah, sure. so they just if there's ice is if there's ice patches, they they close. They don't they don't hesitate, and um. So, but it doesn't I love matter. That. There's no snow removal down there. But it's it's not too far down. It's not like it's yeah. Well, you're not in Florida, it, but it reminds me of like Vegas doesn't have water removal. They don't have drainage <laughs> in Vegas, right? But well, true. When I moved down here in 2008, uh, we had a snow that first year, and it was like about an inch. And I'm like, uh, I had, my office was in downtown Charlotte. I said, I can go. This is an inch, right? I, I'm gonna go into the office. I got about a mile and a half, and when I realized that, it was just floating on a sheet of ice and there was nothing I can do. I turned back around and I became one of these guys now who went back. That. <laughs> uh, I so, love it. Uh, so that's good. So yeah, it, it uh, I, you went out pretty fast is what you'll, you'll find. Um, the interesting thing, Pete, when I was in Los Angeles last time, yeah, there was snow. It was, actually, I was in I was in Burbank, and it was snowing. Oh in Burbank. yeah, in Burbank, yeah, Burbank uh, towards the hills. Yeah, yeah, getting a little bit of snow. But yeah. in LA proper, I don't think I've ever seen snow. 
No, it wasn't LA Pride. It was definitely Burbank where the snow was. And I'm like, I and it was, I was like, wow, I got a, I picked a convertible off the lot, but I know why they I, they were on the lot. I guess no one <laughs> and that was four years ago, like uh, in January. So I just remember that. I'm like, wow, there's snow in Burbank. Go figure that. Yeah, because Burbank's got, a, I think Burbank's got a little higher elevation than everything else. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably why they got it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, Pete, um, thanks for coming on. You know, I'm actually going to go old school tonight, sort of. Uh, I'm going to go brown label tonight. Um, oh, nice. And this is I'm from... actually doing a playoff of a, a brown label right now, so nice. that's good. I got this from the um, – I was gifted the uh, Advent, I was Advent, gifted Advent calendar. Yep. Have uh, fun. But, yeah, but I really actually – and I'm not just saying this because you're on. I've been kind of gra- – maybe it's just the nature of me. of I like all the old things, right? But – I've been gravitating back to Brown Label a lot lately. I'm like, you know, and it's a, I think it's a, a great thing for me to like reacquaint myself with some of these original blends. So I've been pretty uh, excited about this. So I've been smoking a lot of Brown Label. I mean, obviously being in the Miami factory so much, um, mm. it's, it's what's in front of me. Yeah. But it, it's definitely reinvigorated, you know, my, my work process uh, with the, with the label, especially in Miami. Yeah. Because it became my playground. So it, it gives me an opportunity to, to really ch- kind of change up things and, and sure. even experiment with new blends that fall underneath the brown label line. No, I agree. I And I know you've said a lot of stuff can kind of trace its lineage back to brown label in one form or another in your portfolio, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything. I mean, it, it's the root. It's definitely the root to everything, and it's – it's the it's the plant that started everything, right? Yeah. So everything stems off of it. You know, to kind of go down, like when you to kind of create a get a blend created, or you creating a blend, you know, to get that first blend to be so important to kind of that be the root of that tree. I mean, not everyone has been able to do that, and you've been very fortunate. Well, yeah. Let's 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 be honest. The first blend, uh, I obviously had a lot of help from a guy named Don <laughs> Papin Garcia. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, like he built that blend to my palate based off of, you know, brief conversations through translation. But, uh, over the years of everything he taught me about that, that route, I was able to do all that other stuff. Right. And now it's really just trial and error. Like, okay, that didn't work. So on to the next. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I assume now, you know, again, the Garcias have obviously grown too. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot better tobacco you have access to than you did 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, uh, a ton, a ton different. Um, yeah, it, 20 years ago, you know, we we had to buy tobacco. Everything was was purchased. I mean, we still buy a lot of tobacco. Um, the family still has great relationship with Oliva Tobacco, uh, David Perez from ASP, the Toronto family for San Andreas. A particular farmer in Connecticut to do all the Connecticut broadleaf. So there's no shortage of purchasing still because we're still buying all that stuff. Right. But they're growing now, you know, between Honduras and, and, uh, and Nicaragua, I, I gotta, I gotta say it's probably close to 2000 acres. It might be more. Wow. Yeah. It, it's uh, a definitely a big operation. It's about 400 acres in Honduras. Hmm. And then I would have to guess because Jaime took a cattle farm he had and decided he wanted to plant tobacco on it. 
and that upped the count by a couple hundred acres just there. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a big operation, and now you know instead of having tobacco for you know six months or whatever, now they have tobacco for five and six years. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, you did mention Honduras, right? So, have you had a chance yet to start working with some of that tobacco? Well, it's it's really young, but I've tasted it. Okay. Um, I was down in Nicaragua with my brother and Dan uh, in November, and they had brought some tobacco from Honduras into Nicaragua. You know, not a lot, but a, enough to to test. And um, I took the the cigar that I was smoking. I just put the leaf on as an extra wrapper. Right. And actually, I took off the other wrapper and put on that as a wrapper. It's it's really good, like really good. And I'm looking forward to seeing it actually process because what I was tasting was probably, you know, a couple months in process. Sure. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's to be, I guess that would be, you know, totally understandable there too. But I mean, obviously my, you like what you're seeing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And my nephew, Handy, I'm his son. He, he, uh, he was in Honduras and he literally went through every pilon that they had. Uh, that was in process, and he—he's like, I tasted everything, really? and he goes, "It's just so different than the Nicaraguan stuff. It's great, which is awesome because now it gives us a whole different playing field, yeah, and a whole a whole another face to the to the company, which is really cool. So you'll start seeing visa like Seiko's being put into stuff probably within late uh, twenty four, and then. Maybe something with Viso into twenty five, and then obviously Lahara will be a little bit later. But uh, sure, you might see a you might see a Honduran Pearl sometime in twenty five. I mean, it's not it's not too far removed. Yeah, wow, interesting. I'm excited about that. I mean, it it definitely is exciting. I don't um, think we'll go that far with it though. I think we're going to start with like blending, obviously first. Yeah, and then eventually getting into that other aspect, but. You know, there's a lot of big plans for Honduras with the Garcias. So, that's great. I mean, they're doing, they're doing, all doing great right now. Uh, Nicaragua, I could just honestly say, um, the last couple of years have just been uh, on fire. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really good stuff I'm seeing coming out with, with both my father and that's why. We've been we've been really fortunate, and also also the stuff that they make for John Huber and and the stuff that they make for Ashton. You know, all that product is just really doing well. Um, it's it's really the proof of the, the tobacco, you know, made the difference and having control over the tobacco also. And that's something that we, we always talk about. Like when, when Jaime and Pepin, when the family buys tobacco for, for wrappers, like, you know, the stuff they buy from Oliva, they don't buy it processed. They, they get it when it's coming off the truck from Ecuador or, you know, coming off off of a container. And they they take pilones over, you know. They don't they don't wait for the finished product. They actually do the processing themselves. Same thing with you know the Connecticut broadleaf. When you see you know five or six containers come down to Nicaragua of Connecticut broadleaf, when you see it in its raw form, you're like, okay, here we go, because they're not buying just you know yeah. XL XL wides. They're buying they're buying the whole plant. Sure. So, they got so we end up having a lot of process. We end up I, 
they end up having a lot of, you know, obviously waste because they're not going to get all perfect wrapper out of everything. Right. I understood on that too. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's a, and I guess that's another key thing is, you know, they're, they're processing the tobacco. So they have a lot of control over, you know, how that tobacco is going to come out in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately I'm very fortunate to be able to have a playground. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a pretty wide open playground. There's really, luckily there's really nothing off limits, uh, for, for, for us. Uh, but I do always ask for permission Yeah, because it's still not my house. Right. I mean, and that's a, that's a you know, very respectful and right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Although I mean, I, I guess, never, I never asked Papine for his his daughter's hand in marriage. Oh, you did? Oh, Pete, Big you mistake. didn't do that. Big mistake, Pete. <laughs> I, I didn't. You know, it was funny about that because I I had this whole plan. I was going to do it. And I was going to say it in Spanish, and I I just could never get the words correct. Uh, like I could never spit them out correctly, and I I was like, he's going to misunderstand me completely. So it's better that I just don't do anything. <laughs> you know, my, my so. son, my son-in-law um, wasn't going to do it. Right. And my daughter just kind of nudged him and said, for the long term sake of this relationship, <laughs> I'd advise right. you to do it and, and show up yeah. with some cigars. So, yeah, I, I, I think he got a decent son-in-law. Yeah, like, I think so. I think, yeah. I think, I've been the, the most loyal person around him for sure outside of his own family members. So uh, I would bet. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned the relationship, you know, and at the trade show this year, I think one of the mo the best things, by the way, I, I, all respect to your boots. I, I thought the, yeah. my father's boots was incredible this year. Oh yeah. yeah um, they, they, they no, trust me. Our, ours is still in the interim stage. We, right. haven't, we uh, we're, we're going to make some upgrades for this show. If if the booth people can get them done in time, but we're still doing a very low profile format. We're not bringing out the uh, the big booth like before. No, I can understand that. Uh, but look, like I said, it looks it looks it looked great. Uh, but you know, the one thing I think there was one item that really caught my attention at the trade show was La Union. Uh, yeah. Movies. Uh, because uh, that was just Pete. That was just. And it was incredible. I got to be honest with you. I, I looked at that and wow. I said, I hope I can afford this. Is what I kept saying. So, well, no, it's going to be expensive. Uh, but I, I will tell you, it's probably not nearly as pricey as some of the other collaborations that are coming out. Right. <laughs> I won't, won't go into details, but yeah, we're we're still we're still kind of going over the price points of it. But uh, I think it will definitely be close to one of the more expensive cigars that that we both put out because listen i had a miami cigar that was 67 dollars. right so it'll be it'll be up there but not yeah we're, we're definitely trying to make it uh accessible but it, there's a lot of work that goes into it yeah uh jay davis if jay davis has my hopefully jay davis will honor my discount <laughs> <laughs> no yeah um <laughs> Yeah, it's a big box too. You remember? I mean, it's I, oh, I know. Cigars. And uh, the 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 boxes actually landed in Nicaragua already, so they're starting to pack them. Right. So the first one, obviously, is the uh, I think it's the I don't remember. I think it might be the black one or the red one. I can't remember which one's coming first. Whatever has the uh, the Corojo and the Habano in it, that's what's coming first. <laughs> I okay. forgot which color box that is. 
Nice. And then, then eventually you'll see the uh, the broadleaf of the Sumatra. Are they both? I know one was originally 2023, one was originally 2024. They were going to be. Yeah, they, now, they be now it's 2024 and probably 2025. Okay, we'll I we'll see. I I think that's the plan, but honestly, that's the one thing I haven't asked my wife because she's she's the one that's kind of in control of it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um. But it it really was a a cool project, um, because you guys basically blended for the other person on that. Yeah, it's not the first time it's ever been done. Obviously, it's been done multiple times, for, right? For the history of the industry, but um, essentially, the cigar that I made was my gift to them, and and the cigar that they made was their gift to me. Yeah, because I I wanted to use their Corojo. And they're known for 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 doing so much Habano. And honestly, before I would say 2006, there were not a lot of people using Habano because it had a bad stigma at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pepin had taken a chance on on working with Oliva Tobacco to to start using the Habano that they were doing. Yep. And we realized that it was burning really good. It didn't have that old the old problem that it used to. Uh, when it used to be like asbestos, where you couldn't you couldn't burn it, um, so it, it's become part of our history. And when we had a shortage of grow in the early days, because we had to jump from you know grower to grower to grower to get stuff, that's when we said, okay, we have a an easy supply of this Habano stuff, so let's go all in. And that's where I made the shift on the Miami Brown labels to Habano. Right, I remember that. Yeah. That was right when I was starting to come in. I think when that change happened. Yeah, late 2006. Right. Uh, early 2007. Yep, yep. That was right when I started smoking, yep. But yeah, it, I mean, it was it was that question mark. You know, people over like, oh, you changed it. I'm like, yeah, but it's it's not that huge of a change. Like, if you taste the Corojo on the stuff now that they're growing, it's obviously changed because, you know, the... The, the country of origin obviously is different, but I'm using lower priming Corojo on stuff. So it's going to obviously taste hugely different than a dark Habano. Yeah. Yeah, I could get that. Um, I mean, I really, I, you, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Verical Blue and I, I love that shade grown Corojo. I've always loved that shade grown Corojo whenever yeah. the Garcias have used it. Going back, I think they used it for, they may have used it for uh, Ashton and uh, someone else. No, the shade grown shade grown Corojo actually when so when they started growing their own Corojo, the first shade grown was actually I started using as Escasos in Miami. Oh, okay. And eventually they put it on Fonseca. What they used for okay, what they used for um, I think it was John Huber and I can't remember Las Marias maybe. Las Marias. And used, I'm a, I was a used, huge fan of that cigar. Yeah, they used sun grown. Yeah. Okay. Um, that wasn't shade grown. Similar was... wrapper that I use on the uh, Hebrew. Okay. The new Avita lines. That's a sun grown Corojo. Okay. Um, Ashton, I think, well, they did Connecticut with Ashton. They've done. I think the sun grown is what they use on the La Passion. Uh, well, they. Uh, sun grown Corojo, maybe. But yeah. I, I don't even know. They, I have no idea. Ashton's made so many changes over the years. Visually, on packaging that I, I don't know yeah. which cigars which I do the I do know what Mia Moore is though, 
because the Mia Moore is one of those cigars that I still gravitate to. So yeah, um, that's an easy one. But um, yeah, they've done Connecticut with them. They've done, I think they've done Criollo also. I can't remember though. Okay. But I, but they, I don't know all their lines. Yeah, they just did the Connecticut this year, came out. Well, on, they had done it before. On Elegancia. Yeah. But on, on yeah. La Roma, they did it this year. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'm getting mixed up between San yep. Cristobal and, yeah. Yep. There you go. Nice. Uh, I, you remember, know, but, I remember when Robbie gave me, I think it was the Connecticut, that, when it was Elegancia. He gave me one. We were in Nicaragua together, and we were looking at the property that the Garcias were building. And he goes, what do you think? And I said, it's a perfect 88. And he goes, what? And I go, well, that's what Cigar Vision I was going to give it. <laughs> <laughs> because at the time, they were given all you know Connecticut wrap cigars, like 88 and 89, which is kind of a shame because they're really good. No, no, I, I, I was a big fan of the La Roma to Cuba, Connecticut at the trade show this year. Uh, personally, it was one of my favorites. Um, Great it was, Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot um, at the trade show. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I really probably was my favorite Connecticut to come out of the uh, the factory in a while. Um, so Very cool. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that one. Not the cow I won? Well, the cab- I said in a while. I said in a while because the Cabaguan, the Draper Cabaguan, is the second highest scoring cigar all time on Coop. So yeah, no, no, I, I, I that's I like one of few ninety sevens I gave out. Yeah, that's a that's a cigar I travel with. I, I bet because I love I love the Petite Corona size, uh, and it's just this newest batch that that we did is right on par with the original batch for me. Yep. Uh, no, and I it's listen. you know it. I think, you know, over the years, you know, batch by batch by batch, um, this one is definitely the closest to the original. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, it's always been really good. That size, I just don't know what it is. It just it always caught on like fire for me that, that, that I, I call it the Draper size because that's, I remember, where it first was. Yeah, it's still called the WCD. Okay, yep, yeah, WCD, yep. Yeah, yeah. Like a it's 120? Still, it still it has a 120? It was the 120, 120. Yeah. yeah, it was the 120. I mean, there is a Cabaguan in my um, in my advent calendar, so I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, um, my favorite size in the Cabaguan right now has got to be, aside from the little guy, which we don't make a lot of, is the uh, 52, the short little petite robusto. That's a nice size. Um, I, I just got a ton of flavor, and I I should probably stop talking about it because. That's the one I keep on seeing the the inventory tick down on. And I know that <laughs> right. we're we're behind on that cigar in Nicaragua yeah. because of the the pigtail. Yeah, everything with a pigtail, like during the pandemic, that became a problem for us because we lost a lot of good rollers in Nicaragua that were specifically trained to do pigtails. So that's why you see a back order of of my Lancero collections in the Monster series and the regular Lanceros. Um, anything with a, uh, you know, Lancero head, I, I, I end up looking at the inventory at the end of the year and going, we didn't receive as many as we ordered. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Pete, one more question on the La Union. Yeah. Uh, will it, okay. Cause I'm going to see if I can bet Abe again. <laughs> yeah, we're all over. I, yeah. I'm, I jump around. I got, no, that's okay. ADD, no, so. no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you can jump Feel free to jump around. So will this come out before? Patron, Fuente Padron, so I could bet Abe on something. 
<laughs> I'm trying to see if I can get another bet to kind of try to even it up now with him. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I thought it wasn't going to come out before because they they announced it was I coming out, <laughs> and then uh, I don't know what exactly happened, but I think it's going to show up somewhere around the show. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, maybe. I, you have no idea. It's not a competition. Obviously, we're not trying to beat them. To no, the no. I'm, it, this, that was more of a that was more of a humorous comment I was putting in there. To be totally honest with you on that. But yeah, I thought but I yeah, would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would probably say it's a strong bet against Abe, though. <laughs> but but, but what's the, this side he, of the bet? I'm not sure. The, you know, there's actually people who think he he went and somehow created this. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, I the people there are people actually think he went and. Found a way to damage that. I, I said, no, he wouldn't do that. Wait, come on. <laughs> no, Isn't it his birthday today? It's his birthday. birthday it's, yeah. it's his birthday today, yeah. Happy birthday, Abe. I, I think he's 52. Because I think he was, I remember his 50. 71? Yeah, well, 71? It's when well, he's 53, then if he's 71. Oh, so yeah, he's, yeah, no, the, yeah, he's 50. Well, shit. 72? I was, I think the party was 2021 and I was sick, not with COVID, and I couldn't go down to the, I was supposed to go down to that party. Ah, and, and I was sick and I just, I can't. Party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're only, a, we're only a, uh, a month apart then. Because if he'd be 71 on December 1970. Yeah, you guys are younger. So. <laughs> I'm 56. <laughs> And I feel it every day. Oh, you should talk to Dan. <laughs> Dan's <laughs> turning sixty this year. Oh yeah. I know. And I like, Dan when he had hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I remember when Jose Blanco was my, all close to my age. That's how scary it is. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the trippy part. Yeah. Because um, when I first met like guys like Rolando Ray the senior, he might have been in his fifties. You know, that's what's yeah. crazy. You think yeah. about that. Like, he's my age now. Or he was my, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, and now I meet, I you know, I saw his son, Ro Rolo Jr., at the show. And Rolo's like, I think Rolo might be only like 10 years older than me. Mm. But he he's just, you know, like, when I was 10 years younger, when I was a kid, I, I looked at him, I thought he was in his 40s. But for all I know, he was probably in his 30s. Wow, it's just amazing how it just it it, it just it flies by. I think it's I remember when Aaron turned this forty. Year flew by. I think I remember when Aaron turned forty. Actually, yeah. And Aaron, you're you're turning what now? Uh, I just turned forty-seven in August. So forty-seven. Yeah. Damn. But I think about it like because uh, I think my dad. I think my dad had me when he was twenty-one, right? And I didn't have my daughter until you know I was thirty-six. So it's like a completely <laughs> different thing. Like you know, by the time. My when my dad was thirty six, like I was already like fifteen years old. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, the same did. with my dad. Same with my dad. Yeah, so, the uh, different times. It, it was no, very it was totally different times. The <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Same thing when when my parents had me. I was. I think they were probably twenty something. Yeah, in their mid twenties, maybe yeah. late twenties. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's wild. It, it it really is. So, Aaron, you were a bicentennial baby. Yeah, I was a bicentennial baby. So, like, I it's funny because there's so few people I know, Pete, that know about the bicentennial year. 
like you were probably pretty young with it too. I was old enough to remember everything that went on the bicentennial year. It was a big deal in this country that year. Yeah, I mean, I was a whopping what six years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like eight and a half uh, when when the Fourth of July celebration happened. So yeah, so I didn't remember it too much, obviously, yeah. but it was a, it was definitely a big deal. Well, it was big. Everything in school was bicentennial. You were doing all sorts of bicentennial type of. They integrated into every. It was like a. It was a big commercial thing. Like com, like yeah. products were bicentennial products. It was a big deal. Yeah. It was a big commercialization thing. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, well, but back and then to we got to we well, got to the millennium and we, the, all of our computers were going to crash. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. What I had to do, like I I remember because I was still on the. It was my last year in IT. Uh, was that year, and I just remember I basically had to tell my company where I was going to be every second. And, and and the funny thing is, a lot of us knew. Did anything happen? No. Did anything? No, exactly. <laughs> the problem is that a lot of the date stuff was fixed early. Mm-hmm. That was the thing because yeah. there were other, there were you know there were future dates. There were things that had to be fixed early to begin with. That's why it, a lot of us knew it wasn't going to be a problem. And no one could identify specifically a system that was just going to crash. It was just this fear of the unknown is what it was. I watched Hackers this afternoon. It happened to be on when I turned on the TV. <laughs> and I was just laughing at the whole the whole thing because the way they portrayed computers was just absurd. It's not <laughs> like, yeah, we're, it was way off base. Yep, yep. I... Uh, but back to back to anniversaries, yeah. right? Uh, twentieth anniversary <laughs> celebrations continuing, right? Um, because yeah. I, yeah, gotta think, sure. I got some. Jay Davis sends me something yesterday about um Kappa Special uh coming out for the for the tenth anniversary yeah. lines. So that's pretty. You're cool. actually going to get an email tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> from us. Okay. Um, we were we were a little bit late, and I forgot about it, and I ended up posting a picture, and next thing you know, I got hit up. By you know, there's one there's one news source that hits me up within like ten seconds. Yeah. Um, but everybody's getting an email tomorrow on the you know, the specifics and the pictures and everything. So nice. nice. That's great. That's great news. I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, uh, I mean that's that's kind of an extension of what we do with with all these, you know, wrapper changes. Right. It really has nothing to do with the anniversary although it's going on the 10 year anniversary yep. uh sizes yep but it's really about uh we use it as a teaching you know a teaching machine like right. teaching people that like why they might like this wrapper over the other wrapper that that we use and i think ultimately it educates the consumer and people get you know more informed of what they do and don't like mm-hmm I, I really remember that in 2012 with the Cajonews when you did that. Um, and I'll never forget, I was, um, we were in Brooklyn at my family's house. I think it was Easter week or some week. And I remember doing that with all three of those cigars. And it was a teaching mechanism. It was, yeah. it was really cool um, because it, 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 there's a few other companies that have done that, right? But not with those three specific wrappers is what I'll say. Well, I, I'll give you a, a, a quick scoop. For Coop, I know you don't like scoops, but uh, we're doing a Corojo and a, a San Andreas version of 2012 that are going into full production. Wow. So you'll have five different choices of wrappers on the Corojo 2012. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. 
That's exciting. Now, will the and, we're, and again, it's it's really about teaching people about rappers, and I mean that's the one. Obviously, that's the one thing we we were very straightforward with is is telling people what rapper we use. Uh, we don't tell you what what seed varietals we use in the filler, and we don't tell you that you know where we put them in the filler or anything like that. Right. But we we will tell you the country of origin. But the the wrapper, we want people to understand what they're smoking. Yeah, and you know we have we have colorways now for for all those wrappers. Mm-hmm. Like obviously with San Andreas, we're using the green and white, the Tuxla colorway. Yep. Um, Kappa Special has always been white with gold. Um, Broadleaf has been the Reserva, so that's black with gold accents. Habano, obviously, since day one was gold with black accents, and now the Corojo is going to be like a maroon color mm-hmm. with gold accents. Okay. What's been fun about that is I've found with the different lines you've done that with, I've not like the rappers changed which one I like. The cohetes, I said that yeah. right. Cohetes, yeah. I said it right this time. The cohete yeah, was yeah. the Kappa, It was the Kappa Special. By far was the one. And yeah. then, and then with the T one tens, the Broadleaf just was the one that, that clicked with me. So it was, uh, it's fun to kind of go through that and see how it's gonna all all pan out in the end. Yeah, because Kappa Especial, you know, I mean the um, the Cohete that that's a true a brown label. So if you liked if you liked the uh, Kappa Especial version of the Cohete, you might like other true brown labels with the Kappa Especial. Right, and it really depends on size, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the Belanca Bonchasor, they're classic brown labels. They're just in odd formats. Yeah, and uh, those, but those are true to the blend, and they might. I think they're probably going to pop even more than the Tuxla. Nice, and the Tuxla was fun, but I think we did so much San Andreas that it just got overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so we're taking, I mean, obviously we're doing it in the Kohonu 2012, but we're kind of taking a break with San Andreas a little bit for a while because we we kind of inundated the market. But I also did it for a reason because I knew I was waiting for a certain broadleaf to finish processing so I could start some broadleaf production. Right, right. I can understand yeah. that. I, I mean, that makes sense. The um, So that's great. I mean, we'll... Um, you, you'll see everything in waves, by the way. Okay, for, for us because we're fortunate enough that we we know where there's problems in the tobacco world, right? That might be a shortage here and there, so we're 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 constantly moving quicker um, than most because we get a good heads up from the factory to go, okay, let's uh, concentrate on something else for now. Yeah, because there's going to be an issue maybe down the road with this for a while. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, as far as the 20th anniversary, will we see those jar releases this year? Mm. It- <laughs> I don't know. I talked about that last night on a live. Um, I'm I'm so far behind on, on the whole packaging thing. I'm kind of a little bit overwhelmed because I'm trying to finish my new office down here. And uh, I'm a little bit uh, behind on working with my, my swag person to get mm-hmm to get the things like the jars finished. So those are a little bit behind. I will tell you that I, I am doing a, a small batch run of uh, a Dahlia, a six and three quarters by uh, 44. The traditional Dahlia is a 43, like but 
but uh, we upped it to a 44, kind of like a Partagas 898. And honestly, it's definitely an homage to Partagas 898 mm-hmm. because of the way it, the box looks and everything. Um, the goal with that cigar is to do a small batch and then eventually make small runs all the time. But, you know, it's made in Miami, so it's a little bit more uh, prohibitive to, to do huge runs with anything. Understood. Um, so the, I, I got back into the office um, here in Miami, you know, two days ago or three days ago and uh, or two days ago. And the boxes were already there. So now we're just waiting for the cigars to be complete. And then we're going to age them and then age them in boxes before we do anything. So that's actually labeled as a 20th anniversary also. Okay. But, uh, and that's why I want to continue it. Kind of like the 15th anniversaries are, are regular small batch production. Right. Like we make a batch every two years type of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't release last year too that are just sitting aging. Oh wow! And you'll see a lot of that stuff coming this year. That's great, awesome. Some stuff that's actually three and four years old. Wow! So that's that's the maybe not the uh, for lack of better words not the best thing for for my relationship with my wife because those are all <laughs> Miami production cigars that I haven't paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she knows where to find you, right? So that will be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm excited to... Uh, like that, that's one of the cigars that, that's actually... It was made for my 50th birthday. It's going to come out this year, but it was rolled in 2019, packaged in 2020. Uh, I repackaged it again this year from 50-count boxes to 10-count boxes. And eventually, we'll probably put it out close to my birthday in, in 2024. So it's going to be close to five years since uh, the date of first production. Okay, almost you, close to your 55th then. And that that was literally the the start of uh, where we started using the Corojo. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It, it, should, be, it should be fun. Um, this year... You know, I, I, I talked about this uh, a couple times with the, the couple lives that I did. We did, we sold less limited edition product this year uh, than the previous year, which if you look at the amount of releases we did, you would actually think that we actually sold more limited edition. But we ended up selling more core line product, which I'm really happy about because it kind of kind of proves that, the you know, Core line is still very important to everybody. And uh, hopefully, you know, this year we have a little bit more limited edition product scheduled, but uh, timed out pretty pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say that's a, probably a thing you want to have is obviously when your core line is healthy, that's a, a very good sign. So, yeah, we're about, uh, I think it was like 85.15 on the, the core line to, to limited edition, which right. is actually very comfortable. Um, maybe this year the number percentage might go up a little bit, but uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe this year no one wants to buy anything and they only buy the limited edition stuff. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the case. Right, right. What? What is you, again? If you don't want to disclose this, that's fine. What is your? What is the workhorse of your core line right now? Which is the one that's at the top? Well, I mean, obviously 
the, the limited amount of brown labels we make in Miami are still, um, you know, we sell everything we make. Right. Uh, red label still to this day, basic, you know, basic Havana six. Yeah. Gonna, the that's basic red one, label. Yeah. That's the workhorse black label. Also yeah. the standard top wise are very, very strong. Yeah. Um, you know, Kawai one, even though we've had it for shit, I just realized Kawai one's going to turn 20 years this year. Um, Kawai one, uh, you know, it's still a great seller for us, but you know, it's it's definitely a great enough seller to where we would never get rid of it. But you, I would think after twenty years, it might be a little bit bigger. But it's also a Connecticut cigar that that people, you know, over the years, people have wavered in and out of Connecticut cigars. Like, you know, when the powerhouses in Nicaragua came in, Connecticut cigars kind of like disappeared almost. Yeah, not really, but but like not like the way they were in the early nineties and the eighties where Connecticut cigars ruled the world. I remember and that. I, mean, I remember hearing about Macanudo that. Yeah, I should say. Yeah, I remember it. Macanudo, you, you, every store had Macanudo. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure store most stores still have it, but I, I don't see it as much as I used to. It, it, the stores I go to probably aren't the best indicator for that, though, Isa. Because they're just a little more eclectic, some of these stores that I go to. It's, it's they focus on just either what's new or limited, you know, and stuff like that. So it's probably I'm probably a bad indicator to go into the stores and see that. Yeah, I think that's just a sign of times, you know. Yeah. Like a lot of this, a lot of the smaller companies did really well during the pandemic. Yeah, that's true. You know, people started paying paying attention to the smaller brands, or even, you know, like the Garcias don't have a small company anymore, but their business grew exponentially during the pandemic. Um, so, you know, like they, they're still very mom and pop in the, in the way they do things and the, but they are a fairly big company. Yeah. Maybe not the level of, obviously not the level of Fuente or, or, you know, general or Altadas, but they're, they're definitely up there in the, in the ranks of, of that tier. I mean, when I, I, I went to the factory was 12 years ago. So and it was a big factory twelve years ago, and now it's I know it's twice the size now. Yeah, I want to get you guys down there sometime just to see it. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely a, a a place for people to visit to appreciate the the hard work my brother in law has done uh, because it's really all of his his brainchild. He's been busting his ass down in Nicaragua to make that thing a well oiled machine. Yeah, I just remember that was the, the and the, the cleanliness in that factory was just like second to none. I mean, it was just like you walked in there and it, I felt like I'd have to take my shoes off almost. It was like, you know, so clean in Florida. <laughs> well, and that was, stems from Pepin. Actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he's uh, when it comes to, you know, his working space, he loves having everything very crisp and clean. You can see it reflects in yeah. that whole factory. Yeah. 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 All right, I'm going to turn to one unlimited, and I know we did a whole show on this with you back in August, but uh, the Tatooine NFT, I got two questions for you. Um, how do you think – well, let's go with the auction first. Were you surprised at the auction, 100,000? hitting the auction? Yeah, I was, I was actually really surprised. I was – like I'm a – I bet against everything. Right. Because I'm always fearful for being let down, so I bet against it. Um. Yeah, I was really surprised. I was really surprised to see the numbers. And and honestly, when 
when I was talking to Abe after the fact, and, and then everybody got their first batch of cigars, Abe started talking about some other things. And I was like, but don't you still have some? And he goes, no, we sold them in the first day. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, we sold out of our, our allocation the first day. He goes, I don't think many people have much left. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I didn't know that it was going to be this thing. Um, I'm happy about it, but uh, I, I guess the, the question came up uh, from my wife. She's like, uh, so how long do we have to make these? I go, the kids are going to be making these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forever. Unless you renegotiate a contract with Abe. <laughs> no, yeah. The only, the, only, uh, the only out on that 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 whole thing is that if Abe closes or sells his company, and then it would have to be a renegotiation with the new owner, right. or I sold, and then it would have to be a renegotiation with the owner, or or if I just you know disappear, then it will have to be a renegotiation with the yeah. factory. <laughs> yeah, it will seek repeat. Uh, I told Abe this wasn't a bet, but I said to him, if you get a hundred thousand dollars for one of those NFTs, I will I will sign another bill for you. Just to get, get because he wasn't going to bet me on that. And I said, look, if you get a hundred thousand, um, and I did, so he's got another one coming in addition to the Fuente Padrone one, actually. Uh, you, will, what do you do? Is it a dollar bill or is it a five dollar bill? It's a five dollar bill. That's it's a, a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a gentleman's bet. He, he, it's one more dollar. about him like rubbing it in my face, is what it's going to yeah. be. Uh, but you got to see it, Pete, with the, with the Fuente Padrone when it looked like he was going to lose, right? He was trying to go, well, technically, I won. Like, he's like, because it went so late in the year. He was trying everything. Like, Abe, we had to draw a line in the sand. It was December 1st. <laughs> so, like, so this one, I said, so, no, he, I said, you earned it, 100000 Uh, Because I, I, I said, it wasn't that I didn't think it could happen. I was like, that's a pretty big achievement to get that. So. Yeah, I, the whole NFT thing still to me is a kind of a mystery, but the uh... I was I was pretty blown away by the whole the whole response yeah, of it. So yeah, yeah. And, I, and we have we have some things planned uh, for the NFT holders and also also the people that that uh, are part of this anarchy or anarchist society that buy boxes that that you know earn the coin whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's some things planned to kind of keep this community going. So you'll see some interesting things come up. Nice. Uh, do you think that the NFTs are going to continue in other areas, or do you think that maybe this is it? I I'd be I mean, I'd be surprised if, if someone else does one. But uh, I know, I know the you know the concept is kind of uh, in a weird state right now. But uh, I don't I don't know about cigars. You see less and less of them of the. Uh, the other stuff that they were doing with sneakers and collectible stuff like that. So I'm not sure. I mean, I think it takes a lot of balls to, to do one. I, I, I didn't have the balls. That's why Abe did it all. <laughs> yep. Nice. Yeah. No, it was, a it was, a like I said, uh, nice job on the whole thing. I am in possession of one of this. I was gifted one for Christmas. So, uh, I am in possession of one. I haven't smoked it yet. I know a guy that, that, Bought a box, opened it up, and passed every single cigar out to his friends in the lounge. Wow, that's like that's impressive. That's a nice gift. Yeah, that's a nice yeah. But it's nice to see people enjoying them and not just you know stashing them away. Yeah. Hey, ultimately, uh, you know, 
they're what well, they're selling for a hundred dollars, right? Right. That's still one third. I uh, know now one sixth of a Behike fifty six and eleven. Yeah. Actually, sorry, it's even more because um, a Behike fifty six is selling for six thousand pound a box of ten. Yeah. So whatever the exchange rate is from day to day, uh, it's absurd. Yeah, I mean, I one thing we were bouncing around is will we see a thousand dollar cigar this year? Um, I think from we will. Cuba, Maybe, absolutely. I think from Cuba we will. Yeah, because yeah. even some of those Cohibas were going on the uh, b- the black market for like seven eight hundred dollars. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I think you I think you will see it uh, for sure. With well, that. I, if you go back in time when when Bihiga came out, what it was in the thirties, right? Yep. yep. Something like that, and people knew if they could get a hold of a box, they could probably hold on to it and sell it for you know seventy eighty a hundred maybe per stick. I don't know if someone buys a box of Cohibas today at 600 pound a stick, if they're going to be able to like resell it later on, but you never know. They're yeah. so rare. I rewrapped the Vahike yesterday in the factory and, and smoked it while I was on a live last night <laughs> because the wrapper was destroyed. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to rewrap it. Yeah. I, uh, it was good. It was good. really good. It was good. Look, I, I, I nailed the box of those right after it got number one because I knew a pilot who was flying to Germany and it was like he was in Germany when the when the number one happened he grabbed me he grabbed me a box so hey, was he bo- flying into Dusseldorf by any chance <laughs> I don't remember where it was it's actually hanging you can't see it's hanging up on the wall over there I have the, the box cigar on. cigar world uh Mark Benden okay his store in in Dusseldorf when when Behikes were in that thirty five pound range, yeah. I, I was in Germany in Dusseldorf doing an event for Mark, and I I wanted to smoke a Behike, and he looked at me and says, "You don't want to smoke one. They're not they're not good." And he he convinced me to smoke uh, Romeo Duke, uh, I think they called Romeo Duque or something like that, and it was horrible. It was plugged like nothing. I was like, I I would have been better off smoking the Behike, but uh, no, yeah, I. I could see, you know, the investment strategy of buying a Cohiba Mejique even at a hundred and putting it down for years and probably being able to flip it later on, but at the six hundred pound price point. But London's okay, London's an anomaly. It's its own it's its own little weird pocket of yeah. uh, wealth that, that people can't even fathom. Yeah, yeah. And then when I got through with that box, I hadn't smoked one for years until this summer. Uh, I was with Rafael Nodal, and he knows someone, obviously, who could get. So he came over with a box of those, and I smoked I smoked it for the first time. I was still smoking really good. Yeah, the, the few that I had smoked in the past were actually good. I had a couple that were not great. The one I smoked yesterday that I rewrapped with the, my father, Corojo, was really, really something special. Right. It was a good blend. <laughs> I bet. No, it's good. That was good, man. So uh nice, nice. Uh you know, speaking of rappers, Pete, um, this summer the Latte released the Roxy. Yeah. And yeah. uh nice great short smoke. And what was I was really excited about the return of a Lat Maduro. Are, are we gonna eventually see more Lat Maduros come back out? Uh yeah, but Maybe maybe something in twenty five. 
Mm-hmm. 24 has already been, you know, set. Right. Like uh, 24 is completely done. Um, we'll end up probably looking at 25 somewhere towards the mid of this year to right. see, okay, maybe we can fit in like something else, but it's a fun blend. It just, we, uh, you know, it, it was never a great seller for us. And we had so much other broadleaf stuff. So maybe we're like, okay, maybe we're robbing Peter to pay Paul here. Let's just, let's just focus on the broadleaf stuff that we're working on. But that's also when we dumped um, Atelier Maduro originally, it was a period of time where we knew we were going to have a broadleaf crunch. Right. So we're like, okay, we need to step aside from a few broadleaf projects for a while. Right. Right. No. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, but it, I mean, shit, we have enough packaging to last us a lifetime, so we might as well utilize it. <laughs> right, right. No, no, like I said, it was uh, it was good to see that back. I know uh, that was always one of my favorites with that. And uh, But I, it seems like that's one I hear a lot of people ask about, like if that's, you know, I hear people ask me where, I, like I've been asked by a few people where I can get them. I said, I don't really know anyone that has it except for the Roxy's lately. Yeah, so. the, and, the, and the Roxy's now, we, we uh, you know, did the, the split box to introduce them. Uh-huh. And those are like almost gone. And right now we have now individual 20 count boxes of each. Nice. That's good. So those are, you're going to start seeing those probably closer to uh, mid first quarter or end of first quarter. Nice. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, Status of the PCA and TAA releases from 2023. Well, they were supposed to be scheduled for this month. Okay. <laughs> Originally, it was going to be November, and then I pushed it till January. Right. But then um, we were going back and forth with uh, the bands, waiting for the bands, and you know, a couple conversations with a band maker in the Dominican Republic. Like, where are they? Oh, they're going to ship with some other stuff. They're going to ship. They're going to ship. When they left the factory at the end of the year, they're like, we still don't have the bands. I was like... <laughs> They're supposed to be on their way. Uh, so now those are pushed until um, mid to late February. Okay. So, so, we'll do, the, so we'll right we'll before the trade show. Right before the trade show. <laughs> yeah, right before the trade show. So the, and then at the trade show, you'll sell another 2024 for the PCA. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to actually. Okay. Uh, we're going to, we're going to probably release a PCA version when we do the TA version later in the year in October. Makes sense. Like we're, we're not released, but actually um, show it. And then we'll probably release that in 2025. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Everything gets pushed a year with, with the TAs and the PCAs. Right. 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 And the not TA purposely, is not... just <laughs> right. 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 It kind of, they, it was a little, yeah, a little shorter window. So I'm actually glad that they're just sitting aging though. I mean, I'm not in a hurry to get rid of them, obviously. And right. the longer they sit, the better they'll get. Like, I got some cigars that I'm putting out this year from the factory right before the closure uh, in December. And they came up in a bundle. And all the cigars are – it's this cigar. All the cigars are are uh, naked, no cellophane inside the, the bundle. And the bundle actually had to have holes pierced in it to let it breathe because they were so, so fresh. Mm. And as soon as – 
as soon as I, I lit the first one up, I was, it like blew my head off because it, it was super fresh. It had a lot of moisture in it. And as I'm letting them sit, I keep on grabbing one and they're getting better and better because they're kind of coming into their own. But it was like, I don't know if this is going to work. So, yeah, it, uh, it was one of those things that uh, that I'm happy when when cigars get to rest longer periods of time, and I'm I'm trying to do that more with everything. Uh, yeah, I've noticed you've did not trying to oversaturate when you release something, so you're not coming out with three or four things. I know sometimes at the trade show it's hard, but I've noticed what you've been doing, especially the last few months. Yeah, I mean, we obviously have you know a surrogate project that we always want to do and a naturally a project we always want to do and then there's got to be one top line project somewhere right two right um but when it comes to like the limited batch stuff we want to have it spread out throughout the whole year yeah and the stuff's already sitting waiting for all the packaging items to show up it's just aging and i think we're we're in a very good spot to where we don't have to force stuff out into the market Right. And ultimately I like old cigars. So it's it's actually better. That's good. That's good. Um, I have three quick hit ones of just projects you've done, just wondering if we what maybe the future is of them. You can tell me whatever you want. Verite La Verite. Will we see another La Verite? Yeah, hopefully. Okay. That's uh that's a project that I absolutely love. It's just I, I really need to spend time in Nicaragua to do that. Sure, I can and understand. Over the last few years, I haven't been down there as much as I used to be. Like, there was a time I was down there 14 times a year. So I was always playing around with shit. And then, you know, the pandemic hit, and I started going, you know, okay, I can do everything over Zoom and uh, and text my nephew and say, hey, I need this, you know, stuff like that. It became easy to get stuff. And it was that less and less want to be down in Nicaragua. Uh, this last trip in November was very beneficial for the whole group because, you know, it had been a while since we had been down and we got a lot done. So the plan is to be down there more. I'm going to be down there. Uh, well, most likely in a couple of weeks. Uh, I forgot I had to take a trip down in a couple of weeks, not for the festival, but for something else. And then uh, back again in February, right after Valentine's day. So, all right. Yeah, it's a. I'll be down there more, but I need to. I need to take time. You know, I, I work very closely with my nephew, uh, Handy, um, because he's on top of a lot of my production. Mm -hmm. And uh, the plan is to get down there and go through um, some bales with uh, with him and their chief of production to to find that that right blend for for. Uh, a new La Verite, but I'm guessing if I do La Verite, let's say if I started work on La Verite now and I, I said, okay, let's go and put it in production. It'll probably be from the crop of uh, 2020, which would be kind of cool. The pandemic La Verite. That would be cool. That would be really cool. That would be definitely really cool. So we'll see. All right. How about advent calendars? I know you didn't do one this year. I didn't think you were going to do one this year. Basically, on the get back, you came out with two last year. No, yeah. I mean, the advent calendar was a fun thing. I, I would have to redo the redo the packaging in a in a way that is more compact 
it's not right. an easy it's not an easy thing to to put in your humidor. But let's, let's just make this clear: the the first Oliva one was, <laughs> yeah, was a horrible <laughs> thing to put away. Oh, I know. Uh, this one was a little bit more workable, but I would fold it next time. I could see that. Yeah. We're, we have plans for some other versions of it, but maybe not a, a holiday one, but a, another holiday one. So well, it's just a hint. Okay. Another, some holiday. other holiday with an Advent theme. Got it. Got it. Um, and then third one is, well, you caught up with Cajonio, but now it's 2024. Will there be a 2024 Cajonio? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the joke is, is that... Um, we, t- we started talking about maybe a Lancero version. Okay. Uh, okay. And if I were to do it, I might do it in Miami. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it would be smaller batch, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it would make sense with a Lancero to do smaller batch, too, I would say. No, and I've tried the the Kohonu blend in, in a Lancero. It's, it's pretty – it's definitely it definitely got the balls. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because I I've actually made a few of them, um, and given them to people, and they're like, "That's a you know, it's a Lancero. It's going to be milder." I go, "No, just tr- trust me." <laughs> and they're not Lancero smokers. They're they're like bigger ring gauges. Yep. And they're like, "Holy shit! Like this is this has got some kick to it." So, uh, that would be a fun project to do. But if I had to do it in Nicaragua, I'd probably do it without the pigtail because I would know at least I would get it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that pigtail was such a factor. Well, because, you know, again, it goes back to we have a very small group of rollers in Nicaragua that are really talented and, and can do yeah. the pigtails really well. Um, we had a lot more before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it, it takes a really qualified roller to, to be able to do that head pretty and the way that Pepin and Jaime want it. So maybe... Eventually, you'll see more of them start coming up as they train more rollers to, to be able to do that head. But for now, it's it's good to avoid them. Like, even when we were down in the factory in November, <laughs> we were talking about Lancero heads, and I would look at Casey and Dan, I go, no Lancero heads. Everything's got a, a regular triple cap. <laughs> right. You know, on the flip side, Pete, um, you do do some six by sixties. There are some six by sixties in your portfolio. I wouldn't say there's a lot of them though. It, there's, it, not it, a ton. there's not a ton, there's but, not a ton, but they do sell. I mean, have you ever been tempted to do some more six by sixties and see what you could do with some of these things? Well, I mean, the, so the, the grand Kohonu, I sell every cigar we make and we have yep. most of it, one roller full time on it. And then an additional roller that, that steps in to fill the voids. Right, and then we have the uh, the five by sixty, which is the uh, the Kohonu Series A, two thousand three yep. Series A, or yep. Grand Kohonu Series A. That uh, that does really well, but that's in a really small batch because we need more Grand Kohonus. The six sure. by sixty. I I have a uh, project that I'm working on with uh, a friend in London to bring uh, his cigar to the United States. So. You might see some bigger ring gauges in there. Nice. But, uh, yeah. And we have a few, you know, you got the uh, Animal Cracker 6x60. Yep, I love that one, yep. I, I don't know. I mean, I gave my friend Lawrence from London a, a, a 
eight by 70 one day and he thought it and he smoked it for breakfast. He thought it was the best thing in the, in the world. <laughs> like <laughs> it takes a, a certain person to sit down and smoke that cigar. Yeah. I could do the seventies when they get longer is where it's a little more challenging is what I'll say for me. I, I, I will smoke. I've had some good seventies. There are some good seventies out there, but yeah, um, I mean, like if you look at the 2021 Coho new, it's a, it's a 58. It's a, Yeah. But we did the tapered head with the bellicoso head to it, so it actually makes it more comfortable to smoke. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I did smoke that hundred ring gauge one, um, and it, lucky it did have the tapered head. Uh, I will tell you that because oh, that's the lunatic, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it's it was at least you. I at least I can puff on it. Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I will tell you that I've smoked more uh, sixty ring gauge cigars in the last couple of years. Uh, becoming friends with my my guy Lawrence in, in London because that's what he likes. Right. He likes the bigger ring gauges, so I've smoked more of them and I've, I appreciate them a lot more now. Um, but I was I was never real. I would smoke like one or two Grand Cojones a year um, before I met Lawrence, and now I probably smoke you know a few dozen easily. So yeah, there, you you'll see something come out, but it won't be under. Dot Y will actually uh, be under a different brand name. Got it. Got it. All right. I got a few questions related to your last 20 years. Mm -hmm. First one, in the last 20 years, what's the biggest surprise of something? What surprised you the most of something you introduced to your portfolio that you, you kind of had some doubts about that just really took off? Doubts? Uh well, I mean, every cigar we have a doubt because we make them for ourselves and right. we like them, but we don't know if anybody else is going to like them. Right. Um, I have more disappointments than I do the ones that go, oh, shit, that took off. Um, like, I'll give you a good disappointment. La Riqueza. That was the, like a big disappointment because that's a cigar I, I love absolutely cigar. love that just never love took that. off. Love that cigar. Oh, yeah. That's one of uh, um, my favorites. Yeah, uh, like questionable. Like, I don't. It's hard to pick a questionable cigar because if it's questionable, we just don't make it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was really happy the way that people grab grabbed onto La Mission. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't hurt that it you know kind of got on everybody's radar when it first came out, so it got on a lot of lists and. You know, people started uh, smoking more of it. And then, of course, the big ratings from other magazines that, right. that came out and pushed it along. So that was kind of a blessing. We smoke a lot of them, but uh, it was nice to uh, see it, it kind of boom. I'm really happy with the reception of the 20th anniversary. Um, both sizes. I, I think maybe people are leaning more towards the, the Grand Marbet, which is the, the 46. But both sizes performed evenly um you know i think if we had more grand merveys in stock maybe that would push ahead but we're still waiting for for more production so yeah because we're, we're sold out of that product right now right all right yeah i can't uh, answer yeah i can't answer my other question too about what's something that didn't uh, yeah. so you got that one so there's only one more after this so keep going i'm sorry no i'm just trying to think of uh something that just like took off um, 
I think the biggest surprise might be the the, the original uh, the original brand, <laughs> the fact that it's still here after twenty years. That's a fair. So. That's fair. I mean, a lot. I see a lot of companies they don't have their original brand anymore, and yeah, uh, they've, they've really gone off to something else. Yeah. I try not to get rid of cigars because I make them all for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it actually pains me when I have to really, you know, like when I have to cut something from the portfolio. But it's a lot also, of times I, it's for reasons of, like, you know, wrapper issues or whatever that we can't get something. But uh, it, it gets frustrating when you're like, I want to have this in my portfolio forever. And then you're like, okay, it's not performing well. And it's just taking up time in the gallery. So let's let's move it to somewhere else. All right. On to so, the next. All right. What's the biggest challenge you had of a product that you had to bring to the market in terms of what was the most challenging product that you had to get into the marketplace, like the whole development cycle? Well, that that's gotta be La Verite. Okay. Yeah, because that that's a that's a real work in progress type of thing. Like I have to, you know, find a blend with one particular farm and and trial and error between, you know, repositioning the leaves in the blend to find that perfect blend. And then I have to figure out, okay, how is this going to age, you know, over a long period of time before I release it? Uh, and then, of course, the way I released it the first time was very strange to people because I modeled it after wine uh, futures. Absolutely. And people were like, people were like, you want me to pay for it, but I'm not going to get it? I'm like, well, if you pay for it now, you're in it for cheaper. And you'll yeah. <laughs> if you pay for it later, you're going to pay a lot more for it. Uh, so at that point, people were like, I don't know if I trust you to keep it for me in good condition. I'm like, I promise I'll make sure it's in good condition. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think that was the biggest challenge of coming up with something new in the, in the, in the industry, not as a, you know, to, to do the whole wine you know, futures thing in cigars was never kind of positioned out there before. So people balked at it really quick. So it was a challenge for people to even get into it at first. But once it it proved itself, and especially after the 09 release, it really proved itself. But then in the 2010 blend, I had already made the packaging. Um, I never I never liked the the blend, so I never made the cigar. I I so, remember I remember you were talking about that 2010 years ago, yeah. So I mean, that's always been one of those. That's why I haven't done many of them. And I I wanted to do 2018, um, and uh, it just never. It was right before the pandemic when I was starting to, to try some of that tobacco, and the first blend I put together was like ended up being so mild. That it was like okay, I don't know if this is going to be a good one to, to for aging, you know, for age worthiness. So I just kind of gave up on it. And obviously, the pandemic made me give it up quicker. Right, right. Yeah. But that would cool if you did a twenty twenty with the pandemic one. That would be pretty cool. I'm thinking. Yeah, I and and you know in twenty in the twenty eighteen, I actually went to a different farm. Instead of using the, the Garcia's first farm, which is uh, Estrella, I actually went to a different farm and, and started using tobaccos from that farm instead of using uh, Estrella. Because Estrella was very limited on the seed varietals that year, so I wanted to do something with more of a, a blend of multiple seed varietals. So I went across to Namahi 
which traditionally, you know, gross tobacco that's that's really, really passive and easy, easy smoking. I just didn't realize it was going to be super mild. Yeah. So I skipped it. So we'll see. It really depends. There's a farm that they have uh, down the road in, in Esteli right before you hit Kundega called Esperanza, which might be a fun farm to, to look at for choices because I, there's a lot of seed varietals, a lot of, uh, a lot of different soils and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, hilly slopes. So I, sh- I should be able to get some good tobacco off that farm to do a, a pure, you know, one single farm vintage. Very nice. One, one we'll question. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> I want to close out this segment. We have some shorter segments, but um, the one question I have for you. All right, so you've talked about a lot of rappers tonight. Is there one rapper that you haven't worked with that you want to work with? I mean, people have asked me about Cameroon all the time. We actually have some Cameroon here in Miami that that, that came from Jeremiah. And, um, you know, just samples. Right. And I've, I've tried a few brown labels with, with Cameroon, but, uh, you know, we have every grade level of that Cameroon. So it's like to test the new Cameroon of, with what we have in samples is not enough to really, to really get a feel for it. But, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I think Cameroon, I, I, I'll leave it for, you know, the people that do it really well. So, I think I'm really happy with all the varietals of, of wrapper that we use now. Right. I mean, it's a pretty broad range, so I don't really need to. I don't really need to go. Oh shit! I need to do that. Sure, makes Camera's sense. fun, but uh, I didn't love it. Like I love it on Don Carlos. Right. I, I didn't. I didn't love it on the the Tatuai Brown label that I had happened to put it over. It was good. It was different. But I'm 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 not sure about it. Right. I think I would probably have to taste a few hundred more to to really go. Yeah, that's it. Understood. And then then after that, it's really about you know making sure Jeremiah is going to give us good rapper. Yeah. Right. Right. Because I would only if I were going to do it, I would only go to him. I could understand it too. Yeah. I could understand that too. All right, Aaron. Anything else we want to hit in this segment before we hit some of the other stuff with Pete? No, I think we're good. All right. So, Pete, uh, I want to get into our Florida sun-grown uh, beef segment question, but it's not a beef question tonight. I have for you. Um, you were just in pa- you were just you were just I'm a little pa- confused by that. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm I'm. It's a food question. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to do a food question tonight because uh, you were just in Paris. Was yeah, a really it was a quick trip. Was there a really good meal you had in Paris? No, dude. I mean, we ate mostly steak frites while we were there. <laughs> yeah it was it was not it, we were with the kids and um the, the kids don't do really a lot of choices with food right, right yeah you know like yanni and i like if we we went we went to dinner and we all had a great dinner i actually had a, a the, the kids ate steak frites i think my wife ate the steak frites i ate uh, a croque monsieur which was really good that particular one was really good and we were walking around and we passed by McDonald's and our youngest one was like, can I get McDonald's? Like, you dude, you just ate. Like, yeah. like, you just ate. He goes, yeah, but I want to take it back to the room. <laughs> so we bought him some McDonald's. And the next day I asked him, I said, how was the McDonald's? He goes, Italy was better. <laughs> That's all he okay. said. <laughs> he goes, the, the McDonald's in Italy was better. I go, really? He goes, it was kind of mid. 
I love the <laughs> I love the terminology that kids use. It was yeah. mid. Uh, I I actually had, I haven't been in Paris in a long long time, but I had really good pizza someplace in Paris. Oh my god! So there you go. We decided because we had so much you know French traditional food that we went on our last night. We went to uh, a an Italian restaurant right next to the Trocadero, where you know you overlook the the, the Eiffel Tower. Yep. And this place was packed. And luckily, they were like six people. And we're like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> and they brought us in. We pissed off a lot of people online, but we were the perfect the perfect fit for the yeah. table. And they had amazing pizza. Uh, like, I was blown away. I was like, I didn't think I was going to get great pizza or Italian food in, 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 in France, but it was really good. That, that was our highlight. I just remember, um, this is, I was 1990 was the last time I was in Paris. Um, I was in another part of France few years later but but i remember my wife was pregnant and um she wanted um she wanted pizza and we found yeah. some place and it was i don't remember the place at all but it was really good as i just was completely surprised i didn't when we went to we used to go to bordeaux and there was always like on this one roundabout that we would go past on the way kind of out to a few vineyards there was a there was a like a roadside pizza joint and we would always, in the middle of the night, we would go over to this roadside pizza joint. And you know, it was kind of like a food truck, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And they made amazing pizza, including Fagua pizza. And we would take it back to the chateau that we were staying at and, you know, pop a bunch of bottles of wine and, and eat, you know, French pizza, which was awesome. <laughs> but it was just strange for me. Pizza. Okay, yeah. Really good pizza at that place. It was, the, the place was packed and you know you then when we tasted the food we're like okay there's a reason why it's packed yeah yep understood all right i'm gonna go to my next question this is the tobacco usa ties that buying question brought to you by tobacco usa makers of iconic brands such as monte cristo Romeo julieta h upman and eating room cigars tobacco usa great things are happening here so peter i think i've taken you through this before i named three things you got to tell me what the three things have in common okay all right, so this is either going to be really easy or really hard. Aaron doesn't know the answer either, so he uh, can play along as well. I have three actors tonight. And the three actors, you got to tell me what they have all in common. I, he's going to get this or not, so <laughs> here goes. First actor is George Hamilton. Okay. The, the second actor is Leslie Nielsen. And the third actor is David Niven. And the answer is not cigars. Were they all an airplane? No. David Niven. I don't even know Nielsen. who he is. He's an older actor. Yeah, okay. no. I don't know. Leslie Nielsen, obviously, you know, airplane, and uh, what's the Nick other movie? George, George Hamilton. And George Hamilton, you know, he had a cigar. Um, yep. But the George Hamilton one, I'll say maybe the trigger the others. If you can get the George Hamilton one. And I'll just say it's a role that they all played. Shit. Okay, no, you got me on this one. I have no idea. Okay, Aaron? Uh, like I said, I don't I don't know who David Niven is or anything like that. <laughs> um, so I can't really say. Uh, the only thing, did they all play umpires, uh, baseball umpires in a movie? No. <laughs> That's the only thing I can. Right. That would be a great, that all would right. be a great one, though. <laughs> all right. 
the as answer soon as you is started saying umpire. I was like, oh, that's it. All right, I did make this tough, but the answer is, and Pete, you're gonna probably kick yourself. They all played Dracula. Oh fuck. <laughs> David Niven played yeah, old. No, old yeah, I think David did. Niven was Shit. old Dracula. He played. <laughs> Holy crap! They did. Yeah, and George... different spoof. Uh, yeah. Dracula movies too. Yeah, yeah. the Wesley Nielsen oh, one shit. was a pretty bad spoof, and the George Hamilton one's actually a pretty good spoof. It was Love at First. What was bite. the George Hamilton Love at First Bite? Love, yeah. Love at First Bite. Yeah, and the Leslie Nielsen one was uh, Dead and Loving It Dracula, <laughs> which was not as good as Love at First Bite. And then David Niven was old Dracula. I think if you got rid of David Niven, you included Eddie Murphy. I would have gotten that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he played old Dracula, David Niven. It's a really old film too, because <laughs> he was already old by 1974 to come out. Yeah, but that was uh, that was that one. All right, so we got a couple more segments here. Uh, these are shorter ones, Pete. But I gotta first do. Uh, I gotta first do a, a word from the, of the sponsors. Want to mention JRE Tobacco? The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age, discuss Cuba was leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars because of the one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s in the Hamasran Valley in Honduras. Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and the store have brought their very own brand to market, and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, Aladino Sumatra, and each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. I want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they're cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Drew Estate, and Davidoff. They have the best selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Scar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. Place it on our online at their website or visit one of Corona's five central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And again, I want to mention our friends at Cavalier Geneva Cigars. Uh, join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at their Instagram page, Cavalier underscore cigars, and their Facebook page, Cavalier Geneva Cigars. That's Geneva, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobaccos. Join that movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere and high ratings by the Cigar Industry Press. Again, follow them on Instagram, Cavalier underscore cigars, because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold and say gold. So we're going to do our um, Alec Bradley Live True segment, uh, sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live True. So, Pete, this is a question. Uh, this will be a shorter topic than I normally do here tonight. Um, we take this conversation away from cigars, which we've kind of already done a little. But, um, you know, I know you're a big music fan, right? And I know probably over the years of following music, you've been to some great concerts. And I just wanted to see if you have any concerts that you very memorable concerts that you've went to over uh, the years. 
I um, obviously can you hear me? Okay, yeah, yeah, you're good. Good. I wanted to change my air, but um, yeah, I mean, shit. I went to a great Muse concert with the guys from Drapers um, oh, one wow. year at the. Uh, can't remember what center it was out just outside of uh dc great great show mm-hmm. uh then i ended up seeing muse again in los angeles so they're they're just phenomenal live um i saw you know i saw metallica in the snake pit that was fun i left um a concert one time because axel rose was throwing a you know his usual fits back in the day and i had never i had never seen guns and roses play and this is obviously in the 90s or early 90s um and uh i realized a few hours it was more than a few hours later it might have been three or four hours later i was at the rainbow on sunset boulevard and a few people walked in that were at the concert and I said, uh, did they ever go on? They're like, yeah, they did. And they played their longest set ever. <laughs> and it's actually it's actually in the in the history books for Guns N' Roses. It was the longest concert they ever played. I was like, you're fucking kidding me? I, I still yeah. have never seen them. I've right. never seen Guns N' Roses play. I always miss them. I would always show up late. Like I drove from Maine to, to uh, uh, where's uh, the, where did the Patriots play again? Um, uh, Foxborough. Yeah, I drove all the way from Maine to Foxborough, and we ended up showing up as the Guns N' Roses was leaving the stage. So, like, I never got to see them play live. Wait a minute, you left Maine, were you late? Was there a delay you hit or something? Yeah, we hit traffic on the way down there, and then by the time we got to the concert, they had just left the stage, and Aerosmith was coming on. (laughs) So, And I had already seen Aerosmith, so it's like, you see Aerosmith a couple times, you're good. Yeah, um, but uh, by that time I had already seen Aerosmith probably three or four times, so it was like, okay, this is enough. I used to go to a lot of shows when I was younger, but um, yeah, I, I would say um, the Snake Pit was a fun concert. I didn't expect to be in the middle of the stage. Wow, that is cool. And you kind of answered my other question: Was there a concert you just didn't want to deal with and walked out of? Yeah, for the Guns N' Roses. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get out. <laughs> Okay. You know what's funny? All those all those bands you mentioned, and I, I I've never seen any of those. Live. I've been to a lot of concerts, and I've never seen any of them live. They they were ones I've always wanted to see too. Just I never got around to it. Yeah, Muse is is really good. We just wanted like to see. They uh, they they actually put on a really good show, and it's amazing the sound they get with just the three of them. Yeah, and they've been around. Long, they've been around about thirty years. I remember when they first came up. Yeah, yeah, they've been around a long time. Yeah. I'd like to hear some new music from them. I don't know what they're doing right now. Um, I just pulled them up. I haven't seen them really do much. Um, they did come out on an album in 2022. I just haven't heard I it. Did, I yeah. did see um, John Taylor. I, played, I, I saw John Taylor play when he was doing his solo act at the Roxy, which was really good. Um, the small venue stuff is always the cool shit. Yeah. Because... The fact that you can see these guys in a super small venue, that's the amazing part. I think the most fun concerts I've been to is working with my buddy from uh, from Duesenberg Guitar, Nathan. Um, he he was doing a concert every year at the NAMM show. 
obviously off property in a high school auditorium uh, nearby. And Johnny Depp would bring his friends up to play. So everybody would come up and play. It was like, who's coming next? And we had one show with Marilyn Manson, um, Alice Cooper, and then Steven Tyler all came up and played with with, uh, Johnny Depp. That was amazing. And then one year, he had Joe Walsh come up and uh then queens of the stone age and so like he's those those have been awesome shows because you're literally in a room with i don't know under a thousand people mm-hmm. yeah i i got to i got very lucky i got to go to the prince 3121 uh club that they had at the rio that was a very intimate it was hard to get tickets oh yeah and that was i uh i really lucked out someone had a ticket uh while i was in vegas for this was way before I was doing cigars and uh, it was it was very small it was only a few hundred people it was really really good so that I was... uh I ran it so we, we go to the Grand Havana room every year at the end of the year to do their holiday party so mm-hmm. we always go to LA and, and every year everybody that we know that we've known over the years shows up to the party to like their holiday party and it's like old home week for us and there's this uh this guy named Andy Gould, he's old school in the music industry. He's worked with everybody. The first time I ever met Andy Gould, he was having dinner with Rod Stewart. Like, he's one of those guys that's been around. He saw me at the club one night, and uh, he goes, you want to go with me to uh, the House of Blues? ZZ Top is playing. I go, no, nah, I'm going to play poker with the guys. And he showed up. And we were, I was, uh, you know, the Grand Avenue Room stays open late, so we were all there smoking cigars. He showed back up at the Grand Avenue Room. He goes, you missed it. I go, he goes, I go, what? He goes, Slash and John Mayer got up and played <laughs> Tush oh, wow. with, with ZZ Top. And I was like, fuck. And wow. there's video of that concert. And I will tell you that John Mayer plays a better solo than Slash. Really? I, You know, John, okay. I would say that John Mayer is probably a better guitar player than Slash. He's a very good guitar player. I agree. Yeah. This, but this, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed yeah. that I missed it. And I saw Andy Gould this last trip, and I go, and I reminded him yeah. of the story. He goes, oh, yeah, that was a good concert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you mentioned just before we wrap this one up, Pete, um, John Taylor, bass player. He's like. Oh, absolutely. Amazing. Oh, my, I, uh, you know, I've actually, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I, I was a bigger original Power Station fan, actually. That first yeah. album they did was good. Anything after that wasn't good, but he. Uh, uh, was unbelievable uh, bass player. Just doesn't. I've, yeah, I've, I've been able to see Duran Duran a few times, which they're great. Um, I, I, I think still one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of bands that that you know obviously disappeared that I never got to see. Like I never got to see NXS live. I hung out with Michael Stipe shortly before he he passed. Um, in Chicago at a at a dinner club or supper club. Uh, it was literally like the whole band of NXS, and then me and a couple other people, just in a in a supper club, just hanging out. Yeah, they're royalty. That was a band book. that I, yeah, they're amazing. I actually thought they did a a, a good job with that that kid that won uh, Rockstar NXS. We we went to that concert. We went to several concerts, um, and we actually got the we actually got to go backstage, and he was super nice to my ten uh, year old son. I think he was a great, you know, it's, you can't replace. Um, he, he, yeah, he was good, you though. Can't re- you can't replace him, but uh, what did I, did I say Michael Stipe? Sorry. He said, I know you meant Michael yeah. Hutchins. <laughs> yeah. Michael Hutchins. Um, 
yeah, you can't replace Michael Hutchins, but he he did a really good job. Yeah, I thought their album that came out with him was awesome. No, it was very good. Uh, and like I said, it was a very good tour. Uh, and he was it, there were issues I think uh, with him and the band, unfortunately with drugs and stuff. I think why they kicked him out, which they yeah, did. Yeah, and then they it tried another guy who didn't work out, so they just quit. Yeah, uh, that's sad. Yeah, there's a there's a movement to get them into the Hall of Fame. But it's going to be tough. Uh, it's tough because most of the voters aren't Australian. So it's hard to get a lot of people in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. I actually was still surprised by the inductees this year. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely the case. I know you and I were messaging on a few of them this year, uh, for sure. All right, so we want to get into our Espinosa this day in sports history. Pete, this is more of a question for Aaron tonight, okay? So bear with us. I don't know if you're going to know the answer, but there's a reason why I'm asking Aaron these questions tonight. All right, you ready, Aaron? We're going to go to our – all right, so let me just say uh, Espinosa this day in sports history brought to you by Espinosa Cigars, makers of awarding brands such as Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa, smoke Espinosa every day, and get into a Lazona state of mind. So, Aaron, I want to see if you can get these questions tonight, all right? Because like Pete, I don't think Pete's going to get these at all. Okay. So, first question is: Is someone born? Yeah. Today, January fourth, nineteen forty-four, a legendary World Series manager was born. This is like very open-ended. Like, there's no like real hints to be able to who this is, right? All so right. It, so, are you asking me because it may be related to me? I'm going to say. I'm going to gonna say. Let me ask you. Let me answer this. Let me ask you the second question. Okay. And then you'll be able to maybe figure this one out. Okay. So on this day in January fourth, two thousand sixteen, a legendary Super Bowl winning coach was dismissed. Tom Coughlin. Right. Tom so Coughlin. The, uh, the other one is Charlie Manuel. Charlie Manuel. There you go. <laughs> I knew I, it was either you or me. One of the two. <laughs> so okay. So I got and and my, you know, for Pete, they're my two favorite. Ba- they're my favorite baseball and football coach of all time. And January fourth is the day. Like <laughs> like one was born and one got fired. So <laughs> so that that was in there. All I, right. I would have never gotten any of that. No, that's why I was very it's, clear. I said, I'm not putting you on the so stuff. inside. It's so it was inside a little more inside conversations and stuff like that. It's all day. Yeah. I I couldn't put up the happy birthday Charlie Manuel post because <laughs> uh, I, I didn't want Aaron to give it away to Aaron tonight because he would have got it. <laughs> He's 80 years old today. Yeah. All right. So we got that one out of the way. So let's get to our last segment. Uh, um, but first, let me just do a, a couple more reads and then we will get into it. Um, we want to mention, of course, um, J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. J.C. Newman is the art- oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting one of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman pre- rolls premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines including the All-American Scar, the American, and the Angel Cuesta. J.C. Newman's Pensive Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brit Cows, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newman's founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And buy Casa Cuevas Cigars, 
The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. The Cuevas family now has a very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. You could try the Casa Cuevas line, the Cuevas Reserva line, and their latest release, the Sangre Nueva. And remember, if they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our Casa to yours. And this is our uh, Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust Industry Deliberation Segment, brought to you by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the Halfwell Consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mikarita Tricky Traka, and in 2022 with the Mikarita Black Saka Khan. Visit DT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Pete, I have three like quicker industry topic questions here. Uh, you could take the fifth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Actually, okay. I, uh, I can't have four. I don't know. We answered the fourth one already, so I don't think we need to go to that without pricing. So it's three. Um, okay, Pete. CA list from this year. Surprises, non-surprises, general thoughts. Without getting you into uh, trouble. I, I would <laughs> say no. I I would say that if. If anybody knew the industry and knew CA's list and they realized that Fuente wasn't in the top 10 before they released the number one, you you had to know that it was going to be a Fuente. Yeah. It was there was a- no way. There was no way they were going to give it to someone else. I mean, I don't – I just like to put Fuente out of the top 10, if, if, if they didn't have Fuente at number one – I think that that uh, there might have been some phone calls, you know, involved somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it's really funny because um, we we were trying to. I think we a lot of us thought we went there. We none of us got the one right. It was right, but you know, I know Jose. Yeah, you guys were all work of art, right? I think right, work of art. We were all work yeah. of art. But you know, I know Jose pretty well, Jose Blanco, and I remember when he was at EP Carrillo, and when uh, Encore was kind of in there. He was like a nervous wreck, like calling me. He was driving everyone in the office crazy. Like, I, I knew this for a fact. Like, are we going to get number one? He was like, really? This time he wasn't stressed out about it. <laughs> I think he knew at that point, too, exactly what you said. I don't think he knew what number one it was going to be, but I think that last day he was not stressed out at all. He was pretty like, uh, you know, I think, you know, maybe we'll get it. And I, 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 yeah, you're going to get it, Jose. Just stop. <laughs> I mean, everybody that wasn't in the top ten, that you know might have had a chance for a number one. We we were all very delusional if we thought it was going to be us. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, like I said, I thought the one that was I really liked, the one on the board that I thought would be in the top ten. I just didn't know how available it was. Was the My Father Hundred Años? Um. It got thirteen. I wasn't. I mean, I knew it would make the list, but I didn't know how available it was. But um, that one was a really good one. Yeah, now that's a great cigar. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I don't think they even thought that they would be coming up. They, they saw the list and they was like, yeah, it's not going to, you know, like, it's going to be Fuente. Right, right. I think but, I, I, my wife even told, like, her dad called and said, uh, is it possible? And she goes, no, dad, it's like, not right. even a chance. Like, <laughs> so I, I remember in 15, though, uh, a lot of, uh, I know, Few people of us, we felt Labajou was going to get it that year. The way things were all like going out, it wasn't a surprise that year. Yeah, I I think it was a surprise to them, obviously, because they they never count count on it. But uh, 
yeah, it was a nice little push for Lady Zhu for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, like I said, it was. Um, like I said, it wasn't a big surprise. Were there any other things that kind of caught your attention about the list? Yeah, I was actually surprised Eric wasn't on the list. I was. We were too. We yeah, were too. That that was surprising to me. I actually texted texted Hector and I said, "How is it possible that <laughs> you're not there?" Um, I was was Timmy Cigar on the list, right? Yeah, he was at twenty two. Yeah. You were at eighteen, right? Yeah, eighteen. But you, you got to be. I mean, again, Brown Lee was making it. Brown Lee was on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you I'm happy want it better, that Brown I know, Label's but... on it. No, I'm happy that Brown Label's on it. I'm actually happy that it didn't uh, come in the top four because I can't make more of them. Right. Uh, not the Miami stuff. Yeah. So especially that particular cigar, we're not like making a ton of them. So Casadores, yeah. Yeah, it would have it would have been really hard to supply if, yeah. if that thing showed up in the in the top three. Yeah. But, but you, yeah, it... I, I'm all, I'm always happy that. It, that we're we're on the list somewhere. I mean, we we only missed one year. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it was a, the dreaded 2016, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're we're excited, and we we like repetition too. So to see Brown Label on there, that's been on there. I think what four or five times. You know, and like even back with Ambos Mundos to see Ambos Mundos get on there twice. And then Kabai Wan to get on there a few times. It, it's always nice to see brands repeat. Yeah. And it's, it you know, you never know when you're going to even be able to get a repeat. Like, sometimes they just don't rate the cigar. Like, if you look at Florida Las Antillas, they, they've never really repeated it because it's, it's never been re-rated. Yeah. So, you just got to wait and see. I... I tend to think that they go for what I term heavier Nicaraguan cigars on this list when it's a Nicaraguan cigar. And I still would say Brownlee was not a mild cigar is what I'm saying either, but they tend to go for those heavier ones. You know I mean? That's where they lean towards. I've noticed. Yeah. That's why I like seeing things like Cabo one on the list. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not a super heavy cigar. Um, but it's, it's nice to see a brand like that get recognition. But yeah, Florida Las Antillas to get number one. That's a pretty, you know, easy going cigar. It's kind of a cigar for everybody, but there's a reason why it still sells the way it does. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Guap- Guapo got a number seven one yet, didn't it? I think Guapo. Yeah. yeah. Guapo, I think, has been at number seven and maybe number 13 okay. one time. I can't remember. It was on twice. I like I like the Guapo. I like that one. Um, who else did I was surprised didn't make the list? I was actually surprised that, that Nick didn't get in the top 10. With with the OMAC? Yeah, whether it be the OMAC or just, I think Nick's doing the right thing. I think he's he's, he's got great product. And I, I thought he deserved something in the top 10. The top 10 was pretty, I'll, I'll say it, it was pretty boring. <laughs> I, I, there was no real excitement in the top ten for me. It was pretty predictable. And Aaron's, Aaron's, uh, uh, I don't know what you called it, but <laughs> Aaron's, Aaron's throwdown of the list before it came out was pretty fucking spot on. 
Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron's PowerPoint presentations in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it I was good. He did, he did a good. Job. Job. He go. It was funny, Pete. Oh wait, shit! No Illusioni this year, right? There was no uh, Illusioni this year. Yeah, and, another one. Uh, yeah, I mean they made it. They they've made it most years. Um, they've made it most years. Yeah, they made it last year. Allegria made it last year. Yeah, Luciano was on there. Yeah. Yeah, they made it with Allegria in 21. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it was a few surprises. I, I thought Placencia would get on there. I was a little surprised on that. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say that this might be the year that everybody kind of forgets. Yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, You know, I was talking to Raphael. He, uh, he had, like, we were, you know, he had, uh, he was hoping for aging room to get on, uh, because they like they gave it a good score and everything. They liked it. And the other one was number one, but didn't make it. Wow. Yeah. So he was a little disappointed on that, but uh, but yeah, that that was the list. I thought we'd uh, talk about that. Now, Pete, I put this one on today, right? The second one, um, and new leadership at CRI. Now, Pete, on your recommendation, yeah, Bear and I actually reached out to CRA. Uh, back in November, to get yep. Mike Copperman on, mm-hmm. and we we had a we had to reschedule some stuff, right? So we rescheduled him. He will be on uh, the show on the 16th with Bear and I. Awesome. And Very we did cool. not know we did not know we were going to get the new executive director at, at CRA. Yeah, so, I mean, he was the interim director. He was kind of doing time. it, yeah. Um, but he, you know, when when we were trying to figure out. After you know Glenn's departure, um, it, it was a topic of conversation. It was like we need to get a new executive director. We need to get a new executive director, and I I just kept on saying like I think there's someone in the room that probably could fit that job pretty well. Right. And so his name was on my book for a long time. Uh, so I'm glad to see him in the position. He's very well qualified. Uh, you know, I, I when we were trying to schedule that show he called me up we did we did kind of a uh, an intro call and i was very impressed with him um and he's got a long history uh even going back before cra as a retailer yeah. so like we said he, we, he he's like i don't know if i'm gonna be a good guest or not i'm like i think you'll be if you want to come on i'm like he was a little Mike, like mike's mike's great but he'll he's really he, he, like some of the stuff he talks about, like, is way above my my educational level. Like my education level, he's he might spit out some things that that no one understands on the show. We'll have to just yeah, we'll keep an eye on that because he, he you know, he knows all the the technical things about tobacco and and you know, and just just the. Uh, the amount of knowledge he has when it comes to tobacco and, and the health, you know, the health aspect of tobacco, he's really knowledgeable, but he really it might is, go yeah. over a lot of people's heads. He really is on that. That was a part I did, I took away from that conversation. He understood the science part of this a lot more than I gave, because I know he was a legislative uh, <laughs> runner, but I was very surprised of his knowledge on the science piece. Well, I'll tell you, there's occasions where both George Padron and I will tell him, hey, Mike, can you dumb it down a little bit? We're talking <laughs> about D plus students here. <laughs> Wow, well, that's funny. That's funny. But uh, Pete, I've seen in the last year, I've seen CRA really kind of organize themselves better. I think for a while they were a little, it was a little rudderless after Glenn left. But I'm, I'm seeing the last year, better communications have been coming out. Um, 
yeah. a lot of things. So I, I've really seen some great improvement with that uh, in the last year, for sure. That's always been my problem with the CRA. Yeah. Even when they brought me onto the board, it was always like, we're not giving anybody any information. And we need to be a little bit more upfront with everything. So get get people involved. You want people involved, you got to tell them, you know, everything about the organization. But, you know, when, when Glenn uh, departed, um, we were really struggling for money. I mean, because we were so backlogged on, right. on uh, legal bills that uh, it took a while for us to recoup, you know, just to get, get the money back into play. And, right. and now we're a very healthy organization that has a lot of money waiting in the bank for, for uh, the next, you know, big battle. Yeah. So I mean, that's good. I mean, and then, but that came more from the, I mean, I mean, that came more from the companies, right? That came a well, lot. It came from, from it, it came from the companies. And, and again, it stems from the companies with the uh, samplers. Yeah. Oh, that, the samplers have really, out, the samplers have gotten even a lot better too, of what I've noticed. The samplers, you know, when we started the samplers, it was always like we need to put in stuff that that's going to attract people's attention and want and get people to want to buy these because you just can't put everyday production stuff in there. Yeah. So I would always, I would always do oddball stuff right. to kind of give it some attraction. You throw a crazy Opus X in there, and you throw a you know a Padron Black that doesn't exist in there, and then the Andalusian Bull, which is really hard to come by, it starts grabbing people's attention. So. I think everybody started up in their game. Like, okay, we need to put really special stuff in this pack. No, I think they um, did. A, I think they did really good with it. Yeah, everyone did good with that. It took a long while, but ultimately, the CRA sampler is is you know a a big group effort, not just from the manufacturers, but also the retailers yeah. and then the consumers that are willing to buy them. Yeah. Uh, so without that big group effort, none of that money would be sitting in the bank waiting for that next battle. That's true. It, what did it come out twice a year now? Yeah, we did. We did a uh, a summer release, uh, which actually was probably like a lead into the the fall release, anyways. Uh, just because we were we were going in the trade show and we wanted to make sure that the you know the CRA had something to sell, right? And that sold out like instantly. So it's it's a topic of conversation in the group every year of like, okay, how many are we going to do? I like it more limited. Um, I know Tony and I, we we uh, always say, yeah, can we do less? Because uh, Tony is always, you know, has to make up, you know, X amount of Andalusian bulls. So <laughs> I think we're we're, we're kind of settled into the, you know, two runs of 4,000. But right. I know a few members want to push it to about 10,000 samplers a year um, just to be able to get that money to, you know, for – just for the future. Right. Because without that money, we're, we're sitting ducks. And yeah, it does stem all from the manufacturers that are on the board and a few uh, people that are not on the board. Like my father's not on the board, but they kind of come with me in a, in a two for one package. Right. Um, so, you know, without the support of those companies, uh, we, we wouldn't be healthy. And right now we're super healthy. Right. And well, we need more help. Yep. We need more help. We need more involvement. We need more manufacturers to come in. And we've been able to recruit some smaller companies to pitch in a little bit, which is really nice that they're, you know, kind of pitching as much as they can afford. Uh, like this kid uh, from Dapper, Ian, 
um, I was able to convince him to, you know, to step up a little bit. And he was more than willing. So it's nice to see smaller companies get involved. Um, Cause the way it is now, it's really not sustainable. We need more, more people. And we also need uh, new blood. Otherwise it's just going to age itself out. Mm-hmm. No, I think I know every year at the trade show, there's a, you know, there's a, a little bit of, uh, there's a, there's a powwow on the trade show floor. And I know you, you, Get a lot of people to yeah. come into that. So I, uh, I didn't. I didn't like the trade show powwow this year. <laughs> it was. It was. It was not. It was not a good face at all. Yeah. So we we need to clean that up. Right. I I, I am going to ask Mike when I talk to him. I said, Mike, I, you got to let people know when that is. Like, it, it wrecks it wrecked havoc on us last year schedule wise. So well, yeah. I think, uh, dude. I actually. You know, like sometimes I might step out of my my lane, but like I, I started thinking of ways like maybe I can sponsor a cocktail hour at the trade show and then bombard it with okay, it's a CRA cocktail hour. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that didn't work out because um, they had already sold all the cocktail hours. I ended up deciding to up my sponsorship with the PCA, um, not only the lanyards, but I with the Garcias, but I decided to actually do the. Uh, the Friday seminars also. Oh, wow. Just because I want to, I want to show a little bit more support to the, to the PCA, even though I, you know, kick back money out of the cigar that I do every year. It's still, I was like, okay, I need, I want to, I want to see if there's a way to bridge the gap between the PCA and the CRA, because I think there's some, you know, lack of communication between the two sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably I gonna get kicked off the board for saying all this. But no, <laughs> who cares, right? No, no, that'll be. So you're gonna be? Are you gonna be? You sponsoring the seminar? Are you gonna be doing something at the seminars? Is that the plan? <laughs> Scott Pierce. Scott Pierce is trying to convince me to get on stage and and talk about why I, you know, make cigars the way I make cigars. I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. So so now it's it's got to the point where he he says that Phil from Uptown is willing to sit on stage with me and and have a conversation about just whatever. We'll see. I don't know if I'm I'm still saying no. <laughs> they did they but, did uh, good, they did good last year. I thought. Um, I mean the seminars were well attended last year. Last year was uh, Carlito and and that was two years and, ago. Uh, no, was oh, that was two years, years yeah, ago. Two years ago. I, it was I last year. Last year they had the oh like, Herklotz the, and a few people, right? Yeah. Herklotz, uh, Manolo, um, mm. Christian Aroa, and Nestor Placencia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, that's a good group. No one, no one wants to see me standing on stage. No, they will. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm actually uh, technically they call it the the Friday sponsorship is technically the the hand rolled sponsorship, right? And um, there is a episode that involves the boom and Tatawahe. Um, but uh, I'm pretty reluctant to finish my last filming with the guys. So I don't know if they'll have it finished by that time. We'll see. <laughs> I just filmed, I just filmed a part of, of my interview with them. We were able to do it inside the Grand Nevada room before they opened up, which is, a hard place to get access to sometimes. Right. Yeah. Luckily I know people. <laughs> I know there's another one in the works. Cause I was actually yeah, contacted. Yeah. On I was actually contacted. They, on they're it. actually, they're actually filming yeah, yeah. two at the same time right now. Okay. But I know yeah. it's not going to be ready for the show because it's, 
they still no, that won't, th- yeah that one won't be ready for the show that that's going to be much later but okay. um, i know that they're like i'll give you a good example when they're filming jason newman's they're asking people questions about me and then while they're filming right the stuff that they're doing for this new segment they're asking um information about that other family yeah, I mean, it so makes it, sense if you have FaceTime with somebody to right. try to collect data for as many episodes as you could do. Well, I think what's what's cool is that, that, that you know the first the the first film eventually started getting you know a lot of you know notoriety, and then now it's got like close to three hundred thousand views on YouTube, which is pretty cool. Um, but now companies are more open, and people are more open to sit down and talk to these guys. So I know they just they were just filming John Oliva Senior. Uh, yesterday because they're in Tampa doing the uh, PCA uh, comedy night at Corona cigar. They already, they, they finished it earlier. Uh, they had this guy, this comedian, Bobby Kelly come in, who was a big cigar smoker, um, come in and do like a comedy show at Corona cigar Tampa. And it's really about getting people into cigar stores and that, that anybody can do this, this format. Right. Right. So, they they did a they did a, a cool thing. They did the premiere of the Jason Newman at the old theater in, in Tampa last night. Yep. Which I, I think went it. over really well. Yep. Um Yeah, I think and and obviously I think when they were filming the Newmans, they were actually asking Bobby and Eric questions about me also. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a good thing. Um and it's just gonna keep on pushing forward. So Yeah. I know that I know that the hand rolled guys are working pretty close with the PCA. That's good. That's good to hear. All right. One last question to wrap up the night. Um, a lot of talk about Ecuador, uh, the crop stuff mm. down there. What's your What's your forecast? What do you, how you how How much is this going to affect the industry? Uh, obviously, it will. But what are your impacts? You think it's happening with this crop shortage? Well, yeah. It's it's not a great place to grow tobacco right now. It's very tough for the for the for the growers down there uh, to deal with uh, the situation that they have down there. Um, there's a lot of roadblocks for for the growers down there that makes it really hard to grow tobacco. But I think the companies that have stockpiled you know enough tobacco from there are going to do pretty well. And also, there are some companies that have been using that tobacco for a long time, a long period of time that that have been using the tobacco from those growers that uh, have built relationships over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that are going to have a lot more access to it. Yeah. Um, but even the small amount that's going to come through, uh, you you might see a shortage for, for some, for some people. It's, it, I think it's going to get tough for some manufacturers that are smaller that, that didn't take the time to invest in that tobacco in the first place. So, We'll see. I mean, right now, uh, I can tell you the Garcias are pretty healthy on on most mm-hmm. Ecuador tobacco, but uh, and we have good relationships with those those growers, so we we know we can get product. Uh, but um, yeah, I think you'll see a point in time where it's going to be a little bit short for a while until they clean up some problems that, that are down in Ecuador, you're going to see that problem for a There's while. There's a lot more problems than just the weather. I mean, I'm hearing a lot about the crime mm-hmm. and everything that's been really bad. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I, yeah. so it's not a good situation 
Yeah. But hopefully it gets better. I hear you. All right, Pete. Uh, we're done with you tonight. So thank you very much for making the time. <laughs> no, you're uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. No, uh, so appreciate it. Uh, Aaron, thanks as always, man. Yeah, thank um, you. thank you to our audience as well. Um, so just schedule wise, um, no show next week. Uh, prime time the week after. Uh, we have Jack Hire coming on from Davidoff. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Jack is like uh, he's he's traveling right now, so he couldn't uh, he couldn't. Do, well, next week I wasn't available anyway. Next week I'm gonna be driving Jose Blanco around Tampa. By the way, so <laughs> you should is, film it. Oh, it is gonna be a film. Yeah, <laughs> I have. People, oh my god. Yeah, I, I I it's a long story how I got roped into this, but uh, I was really gonna have something. I really couldn't do a show next week no matter what. And then my wife's uh, going to be in Orlando, right? So I said, all right, let me come down for the weekend. I'll go see Jose. He happens to be down. I'll go see him in Tampa. Now it's turned into uh, – I have, I have basically I have to get a schedule now, you know? <laughs> so, well, please tell me you're going to put, like, GoPros up in the car and film every moment. <laughs> I, have like, to, I have to do that. I have a GoPro. Car is getting coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm hitting him up for Columbia restaurant though. So don't uh that that's gonna be <laughs> Oh dude, the salad at Columbia is awesome. Yeah. Just I, there, oh, so I have good. not I have not been there, so I said, Well great. So I'm hitting what? Him up for... No, I haven't. All, all the times you're a foodie. How 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 have you never been there? You know, it's funny, I don't get to Tampa that much. So um I haven't been to Tampa in about three years, so Well go to go to La Segunda also. Right. Because that that's a great Cuban sandwich. Um and the bread, they actually supply the Columbia. Oh, nice. That's always yeah. key. That's good to know. So La Columbia makes a great Cuban sandwich, but but because they use the bread from La Segunda, but you got to go to La Segunda. Yeah. All right. That's good. And if you have a chance to take the bread home, it's really good. Oh, I'm going to see if I've I can actually, do that. I've actually left Tampa. I've actually left Tampa and went over to La Segunda, which is right around the corner from J.C. Newman. Okay. Go to the one near J.C. Newman. That's okay. the that's the that's OG. Segunda. Okay. And um, yeah, there's a couple other locations, but go to that one near J.C. Newman, and uh, the bread is just amazing. Like I, I I've c- traveled back from Tampa to back to Miami with like loaves of bread to pass out to the family. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I gotta do. I will do that. I'm gonna check that out for sure. Always like coming back with good bread, so. Yeah, it's a good place. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, again, Ben, Pete, thanks again, man. We appreciate mm-hmm. your time. I know you've been busy and traveling and doing a lot this week, so we do appreciate it. No, dude, I uh, appreciate uh, you guys having me on, and I appreciate being able to shoot the shit with you guys because it, yeah. it's always too far in between our time at the trade show, so it's nice to see you even by this. And I'm always watching, so. No, we appreciate it. I know you are. Yeah. All right. And by the way, uh, Ben's got some really banger videos coming out on, on some cigars. So like, I, I, should, I don't mention Smoking Syndicate a lot, but Ben's got some big time cigar reviews coming in the next few weeks. So cool. uh, he's been doing a lot of smoking. So we'll, we'll definitely be checking that out as well. Um, by the way, when's your did you fi- you haven't finished your list, right? It finishes Monday. Okay. So what number are you at now? Uh, I just did five. Oh, shit. Okay. Four, yeah, three. So you're, you've, been, you've been busy. Yeah, I've been. Oh, it. You know what? You know what's. I have to really reevaluate what I'm doing because 
it's not just making a list. Now I'm filming video. I'm doing I'm doing thumbnail shots. It's 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 a lot of work. So I have to reevaluate how I'm spending time next year. I think um, because it was <laughs> it was too much. So, but we'll figure, but it does well. It does really well traffic wise. So I, especially when you get into the top ten, that's when it does well. So, uh, you you you'll be interested. I think how it how it flushes out. So check it out for sure. Monday. Oh no, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't get on Facebook that much, but I, I, I do go onto Facebook just to see what the next number is because I, yep. I, I honestly missed my Veracool blue because I was, I think I was out of the country at the time and, and someone else had already reposted it. So I was like, yeah, Oh shit. I, and I've been having problems. Nothing's tagging on anything for me lately. I don't know what's going on. Tags are disappearing. So I actually, I think I tagged you and it's not happening, which is. Yeah, but it'd be cool. But I, I don't go on Facebook that often right so it's it's one of those yeah. things where i i forget to check it i'm yeah i'm more on instagram so do you post but, it on instagram too yeah i do i do post it on instagram too so they are i actually i actually upload the video to instagram Shit. so i'm, I'm trying to work out a process where settings. i can just do the uploads like in a batch i'm, I'm working with someone who may be able to do that for me because it's easier that way manually doing it so yeah, Monday we'll we'll have the announcement on that. So uh, we'll see what happens, how it flushes out. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks. Congrats on everything, and thank you for uh, your time tonight. Thank you as well, guys. Thank you. Um, and that's gonna wrap up primetime episode two ninety two into the annals of history for Thursday, January fourth, two thousand twenty four. Now Friday, January fifth, on the East Coast. We'll catch everybody uh, in two weeks. Take care, everybody. See you guys. <laughs>